Good morning. Turn in, with, turn, in the, turn in your Bibles with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. That's what we'll be covering this morning. I like the hymn that, Matt, you chose this morning. Uh, Revive thy work, O Lord. In this fourth verse it says, Give power unto thy word. Grant that thy blessed gospel may in living faith be heard. We're going to be talking about the Word this morning, the Word of God. And we come to, we come to chapter 4 as we come to a point in there with the, um, one of the final charges that Paul is giving Timothy. In the first letter, he gave a couple charges. He gave about four charges to Timothy. The first one was a charge for his ministry, the charge that they preach no other gospel. And as he goes through the second letter, he charges that um, in uh, verse 15, it says that to charge them, um, let me see this, uh, verse 14, it says, remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit to the ruin of the hearers. And now we come from, now we see Paul in a prison cell writing these words, awaiting his death and giving Paul, his, Timothy, his final charge. He's handing off the baton to Timothy. And he's giving him his, his final instructions. The charge is clear. He says, preach the word. And that will be the title for the message today. It's a simple title that just comes right from the text that we're reading. But it's to preach the word. And I want to look at the reasons this morning for preaching the word. Reasons that we should preach says in verse uh, 1 of chapter 4, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you, be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. In the first verse, we see the first reason for preaching the word. First reason is preach the word in light of impending judgment. Preach the word in light of the impending judgment. It's an incredible charge, as his final charge to Timothy. Paul urges him to listen up, pay close attention to this. And as you read through this charge, it increasingly gets more and more um, serious. Each statement in here is multiplied and compounds on each other. The charge is before the Lord, before God, and before Jesus Christ. And it's important for us to remember in our service for the Lord that we are always being watched by the Lord. He, is, he always sees what we're doing. Whether you're teaching a Sunday school class or a Bible study or helping with, in the kitchen or locking up the chapel, the Lord notices our service to him 
and everything is before the Lord. Nothing is hidden from his sight. And our service is before his eyes, and he will judge us according to what we do and how faithful we are in serving him. And so we should be motivated in light of impending judgments. Now, when I say that, I'm referring to two different groups. First of all, I'm referring to believers. And believers will, will not face eternal judgments, but they will be judged for their works, for what they do in service for the Lord. And that is the judgment seat of Christ. And it says in Romans that we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and each will give an account of himself to God. And in 2 Corinthians 5.10, it says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. We will have to give an account to the Lord for what we have done in this life. And the Lord will reward us for faithful service in his faithful service for him in this life. And if we do nothing for him in this life, we will suffer loss of reward. And we will suffer shame for not doing anything for him. For the one who died for us and, and saved us, we should live our lives in full service for him. And so we must, in this part of our life, in this time of our life, we must strive to be faithful in service. Strive to do the ministry that God has called us to do so that we may receive rewards in heaven. Now the judgment seat for believers it is for believers only. And it's not a judgment of your sin, but it's of your service for him. And we want to live our lives in full surrender for him. And then in verse 5 of 2 Timothy, he tells Timothy to do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. We want to be found faithful to the Lord. So that when we get to heaven, he will say to us, Well done, good and faithful servant. Brothers and sisters, do you know what your ministry is? Do you know what the Lord has called you to do? Are you living with the mindset that he is coming again? That, he will, that we will one day give an account for our lives. On the other side of, of this is that there are unbelievers. And unbelievers will be judged for their sin. Those who have not placed their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ will face eternal judgment. And there are no rewards given at this. The truth is the word of God says this, and I don't want to sugarcoat it in any way. If you do not know the Lord just if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, then you will be facing judgment before him. And you will stand before the Lord at the great white throne judgment, which is talked about in Revelation. In Revelation twenty, it says and this is the picture that's painted and is a visual that you that you see, but I want to read that this morning. He says, Then I saw a great white throne and at him and him who sat on it, that is the Lord, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works, by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead 
who are in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. This is the judgment that is coming to you if you do not believe. Many people believe that hell will be just a big, great party. Boy, you are sorely mistaken if you believe that because that's not what the word of God says. It could be nothing further from the truth because the Bible says that there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It won't be a party. It's a dreadful place of pain and torment that doesn't end. It lasts forever. It's eternal. But I do also want to tell you this morning that the Lord loves you. And the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to know him. And that is why God sent his son to the earth to die on the cross for your sins and pay the penalty that you deserve. Jesus bore your sin on the cross and suffered and bled and died in your place that you might have eternal life and that you may not suffer judgment. How do you receive this eternal life? Well, it's through faith that we receive the gift of eternal life in Acts 16.31 says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Anyone who repents of their sin and places their trust in Jesus Christ and the work that he did on the cross will be saved. This is a reason to preach the word in light of impending judgments. Believers, in light of a dying world that has urgent spiritual needs, we must preach the word. We must tell others about Jesus and how they can have their sins forgiven and have eternal life. Because Jesus could come back at any moment, so we must continue to preach the word. In verse 2, he says, preach the word. That's the charge we've been saying. Preach the word. And as, we, as we've gone through the book of First Timothy and Second Timothy, we've talked many times about knowing the word of God in light of false teachers, in light of what, the way that they twist the scriptures. There's an emphasis to study the real thing, study the word of God, because we must know what the real thing is in order to see what the false teach, how to detect false teaching. So that means we've emphasized many times to, to read the scriptures, to study them, memorize them, know them. And that's what Timothy is told to do. And now, it comes, now we come to this. Not only are you to study the word of God and to apply it to your lives, but also preach it. Also preach the word. And this, this charge flows very well, very, very nicely from the, the previous passages that we looked at. In verses 16 and 17 of chapter 3, it says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for good works, for every good work. It is important to know that we are to preach the word of God, but 
what is the content? What is the message that we are preaching? What is the word? Well, we are preaching this book. We are preaching the Bible. It is the very word of God. Every single page in here in this book is inspired of God. And that literally means that God breathed. It is God breathed. So it is exactly the words that God wanted us to hear. At Calvary, we believe in the verbal plenary inspiration of the word of God. That means that scripture is inspired to the very words in the scripture. Every single word, even the singular words and the plural words or the verb tenses is all inspired. And it has been written down exactly as the Lord intended them to be written. And we believe all scripture is authoritative because all of it is inspired by the, by the word of God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. So it has the weight of his authority behind it. So we believe it from, from the beginning, from Genesis all the way to Revelation. The whole Bible is all 66 books are inspired. It is complete. There aren't certain parts of the Bible that are inspired and some parts that aren't. You know, there are some people that like to say, well, I, I only like to read the red, the red words, the words in red. But now the words in red are what Jesus said, and those words are good. Those words are beneficial to study. But they are just as inspired as the words in black. There's no difference. And there, there's so much to love about the scripture. There's so much to love about the word of God. It is profitable for so many things. All scripture is profitable. And the word of God is living and has life-changing effects. Hebrews says that the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirits and joints and marrow. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the hearts. Have you ever felt that when someone, when you read a Bible verse or when someone told you a verse, that it just cut right to your heart? It convicted you right to the, to the core. It pierces you. It goes right through all of the excuses, all, all the smoke screens, and all of the issues that you, you put in front of it. and goes right to the heart of the matter. It speaks to your heart. It speaks to your mind. And the word of God is something that exposes you. It cuts you open and exposes you for who you are and shows you your sin. And it's like, it's like a man that's walking through a dark alley and then someone shines a big spotlight on them and they're exposed for who they really are. Because we don't like to see who we really are. But the word of God shows us that. It's powerful. It's profitable for, for many things for doctrine, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness, for correction. Now, do you understand why Paul says to preach the word? We must preach the word because it is God's own word. We must preach the word because it is authoritative. And we must preach the word because it is profitable. And, and preaching really means that you're proclaiming a message. You're it was a person that was a herald. And they would go, a herald is a person, is a king's messenger. And he would go into the city and proclaim the message of the king and tell them all the subjects what the king's message was. 
And he wouldn't be able to just go up and make anything he wanted to, anything he felt like it. He would have to say exactly what the king message was. Believers, we're also here to herald the message, to proclaim the message to others. We are to proclaim it to everyone, to other believers, to friends, to family members, to coworkers. And we are, we are basically announcing the word of God. This is the message of the king. And at Calvary, we preach through the Bible. When we, when we preach through the Bible, we preach chapter by chapter and verse by verse. We systematically go through the, through the Bible because we don't want to leave anything out. We want to give you the whole message. We want to give you the entire message that God has given us. We don't want to choose, pick and choose what we want to say. It would be easier to talk about passages that I felt comfortable about. It would be easier to do the, the fun messages or the interesting messages, but the Word of God is all inspired. It's all profitable. And so we must preach the whole message. And Paul, we want to be like Paul, how he's what he said to the Ephesian elders, that I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Since we believe all scripture is inspired, we don't want to leave anything out. So when do we preach the word of God? When do we preach? It says we preach in season and out of season. And really that means that if we're preaching in season, and we have to preach out of season. We preach all the time. There's no time where we need to we stop preaching the word of God. We always need to preach. It's not that I preach when I feel like it, when it's convenient for me, or when it fits in my schedule, but that I need to preach all the time. I need to tell others about Christ. And I might, I might say that, well, you know, this is... This period of my life, I can set aside, I can, I can do that. I can, this is the season for my life to do that. And then I've got to focus on my job now and my career and family and other things. And then I'll go back to preaching and go back and forth. No, we are to preach in season and out of season. To be ready at all times. There was a preacher or a pastor who was asked how many times he preaches or how, how often he preaches. And he responded saying, I only preach two seasons a year. In season and out of season. We must be ready at all times. Be ready in season and out of season. Have you ever been caught off guard? Have you ever been caught off guard with someone asking you a question about the Bible, about the Word of God, and you just didn't know the answer? There have been, there have been many times where I've had a co-actor ask me a question about the Word of God, and I either shied away from answering the question or didn't have a good, good answer for it. I, had a, I remember coming to work one morning and the coworker made comment, comments about a license plate that he saw. And it was clearly a, a message about the gospel. But then I cowered and didn't want to say anything because of the other person that was standing next to him. I was caught off guard. I wasn't ready. But First Peter says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready 
to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. We must be prepared at all times. How would you answer someone today if they asked you, why are you a Christian? Why do you believe what you believe? Would you be ready to share your faith with them? To tell them that they are a sinner desperately in need of a savior? Just as Paul encouraged Timothy, I want to encourage you with his words, which are really God's words. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings of the gospel according to the power of God. Be ready when friends and families ask you questions about God. Be ready to share the gospel at all times and don't be ashamed. So we are to preach in season and out of season. And I, I think that phrase also has another meaning to it too. I believe we are supposed to preach at all times. But I also think it means that when preaching is in season and out of season. There have been times in histories where preaching has been readily accepted and readily welcomed and other times where it's not, it's not tolerated. What happens when, the preach, when preaching is not popular anymore? When the truth is no longer desired? Well, even in those seasons, we need to still preach the word. How are we to preach? He says to convince, to rebuke, exhort, with all long-suffering and teaching. We must be so firm in our understanding of the word of God that we are able to logically and convincingly prove to them why we believe what we believe. Daniel gave a message a few Sundays ago on Easter Sunday about the resurrection, and he gave compelling reasons to prove that Jesus is God and that he, ris- he is risen. The preacher must be able to present his case and convince others and persuade others that the scripture is true and is right, and even if they don't believe that it is true. He also calls us to rebuke in light of all the false teaching, there, there always will be need, a need to rebuke someone when they're teaching an error. And it also means rebuking sinful behavior. And it is really just taking the word of God and putting it in front of them and showing, him, showing them what the Bible says about it. And then we are to exhort which involves encouraging somebody who, encouraging somebody to continue in the faith, continue doing the right thing. We've got to be careful that we don't rebuke someone who needs encouragement, else they become discouraged. Or we need to be careful that we don't encourage someone who needs to be rebuked, else they might continue in the sin. But each of these actions involve showing them the word of God and and really coming alongside them and showing this is what God says about this thing. It's not what I think. 
That's what God thinks. And that by showing them the word of God and, and the word of God has, the, well, the power of the word of God will convict them and will show them um, their need to change. And instead of being upset with you about something, they'll be upset with God. Um, so let the word of God have an effect on that person because it is sharper than a two-edged sword. And as a preacher, it takes, as a teacher and a preacher, it takes patience. Things don't happen overnight. People don't just get it right away. And so it takes a constant reminder to, to remind them again of the things that the Word of God says so that they do understand to be patient and long-suffering. So why should we preach the Word of God? In this next section, it says that they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, they will, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears from the truth and be turned aside to fables. We live in a society where new stuff is being promoted to us all the time. And we need to get that new phone because the phone that we have now is, the three-month-old phone that we have now is outdated. So we need to get the new one. And the 2015 model car that we have is, doesn't have all the features that the 2016 model has, like automated voice commands and uh, connections with my new phone that I just got that was replaced for three months ago. Uh, doesn't have parallel parking and automatic, um, automatic parking. And then we're, get, we're promoted with new gadgets that we need to have, that gadgets were never around before, like smartwatches and Fitbits. And we need a new car. We need, um, we need, we have, we like to hear new news instead of old news. When I look at news stories that were written in December of 2015, I'm afraid that I'm missing something because there could have been something written in the last four months that's new. And we are bombarded by this new mentality. With a mentality that, this world mentality that new is better and old is bad. We are made to believe that new stuff is better than the old stuff. With this new mentality, we're also faced with new religions and new philosophies, new ways of thinking, new ideas. And the notion is that we are led to believe that this is the new way of thinking. Don't be stuck in the past. That's outdated. Out with the old and in with the new. That's the motto that some people live their lives by. People today criticize the Bible for being outdated, for being something that's old, that was written 2,000 years ago. Why would somebody follow something so archaic? That's the old way of thinking. There's, there's so much stuff new that's come out since then. Let me make something clear. There is nothing wrong with something that is old. When you read through the word of God and hear how God loves us and how he sent his son to die for us, man, that story never gets old. How does that hymn go? Tell me the old, old story of Jesus and his love. I never want to grow old of that story. I never want to get, grow tired of it. I don't want it to be updated or changed or modified in any other way because its truths are so rich. And I hope that you never grow tired of that story. I hope that you never want to hear anything 
difference in the same story of what Jesus has done for you. Because, brothers and sisters, we are coming to a time, and the time is even now, where men won't want to hear that same old story. They don't want to hear the sound doctrine. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. It means that they won't, that those who say they are part of the church won't put up with the truth anymore. They simply won't want to hear that message anymore. They've grown tired of it and they want something new. They want something fresh. They want something that makes them feel good inside. And the sad truth is that many professing churches are adapting and conforming to the desires of these members. And as new ideas and new ways of thinking evolve, churches are feeling the need to respond to those changes in order to be relevant, in order to reach these people. And in society today, there's been a shift in our thinking to a postmodern, postmodern mindset. And that the postmodern mindset is, is a mindset that things today are subjective, not objective. Things, truth is relative, not absolute. And what happens is that when the church tries to conform to that mold and to that thinking, they adapt their message to meet those needs. And the worst case is those churches will, in order to be relevant and in order to be cool, they adapt and change their message to the teachings of the, of the ways of the world. But what that does is it changes the truths and compromises the doctrines of the word of God. Because then they begin teaching that truth is not absolute and that it's just relative. And it leads to doctrines and and teachings that are loose and are not founded on the scripture. And the message becomes more and more watered down, but leaves the hearers warm and fuzzy and feeling good inside. But the truth is, is that the Bible is true. It is absolutely true. It is an inspired word of God. And there is no reason to say, there is no room to say that the Bible is just relative truth. It is absolute. And today people, um, today people treat picking a church like they treat going shopping on Amazon, like an online checkout at Amazon. And they, they go around through the website and they, they search for the things that they do like and take out of their cart the things they don't like. And they go around and they, they want a church that has more convenient times for them to meet. And they, they want a cool band and a hip music and cool lights they want a church that does a bunch of skits and entertains them and does interpretive dances that will, and, and really has a message that's only 20 minutes or less. You know, just try to keep that down a little bit. And they want to they choose the preacher, so they go shopping for the preacher. Well, I want a preacher that's relevant and that's cool and that, that just wears jeans and a t-shirt up at the front. And you know, I need, a, I need a preacher that, well, he, he can't mention sin. He needs to say that there are mistakes or, or just um, mess-ups. Bad choices. I want him to tell me all the time that God wants to bless me. I want a church that 
doesn't mention hell at all because that makes me feel uncomfortable. And some churches have become, have adapted to that way of thinking. Professing churches, not true churches. They have become market-driven where, they, where their, their goal is to satisfy the consumer. Their goal is to satisfy the end customer, which is the members. And they want to gather the crowds in. They want to have huge success by the numbers that show up. And then they end up catering to the desires of the people. There are some churches that actually pull the audience to ask them what they want to hear. And one of the, one of the churches, their response was potty training. Potty training was their most important thing they wanted to know. In order to satisfy the customer, they will have to turn away from the truth. And, they, and the, the members of the church, because they desire that false teachers will come in, or they'll be led, alay, led astray by false teachers because that's exactly what they want to hear. They don't want the truth anymore. They want their ears to be tickled. And I could, I could stand up here today and give you an inspirational message, a message that is motivational, and you come away feeling great about yourself. I could entertain you with funny jokes and tell you cool stories. And I could have you laughing at the end of the day. And then at the end of the message, I'll just sprinkle on a Bible verse and call it, the end, call it, a, call it a sermon. And there, there are many preachers that do that today. They, they are great gifted speakers. They're great storytellers. They have clever lines and funny jokes. But when you listen to their entirety of their message, they leave out a good portion of what's important. They have very little to do with the Word of God. I don't want to stand here today, this morning, to tell you what I want to say. I don't want to tell you what you want to hear either, unless, of course, you want to hear the Word of God, and then you'll hear that. But I'm not here to preach my words. I'm not here to preach words. I'm here to preach the Word. And once again, Timothy is being reminded in the last verse to be different. He says, but you be different. There's a contrast between you and everybody else. You be different. Be watchful in all things. Be sober-minded. Be alert to these kind of things that are happening. Don't, pro- don't fall prey to giving up the Word of God in, in lieu of gathering, gain, gaining popularity in your church because popularity is not an indicator of success. Instead, be, be watchful. And the thing is that you will endure afflictions. The, the ministry will be difficult. There will be difficult times when you, because you preach the word of God. You won't have an, it won't be an easy time. It won't, you'll have opposition from people that have itching ears that want to hear, that don't want to hear that anymore. Do you know how much money I give the church? Why are you saying those things? You can't say those things. He's also called to do the work of an evangelist. And it's likely that Paul had the gift of evangelists, and Paul was encouraging him to keep it up. And evangelism is our best tool for winning the lost. The message that tells others that they need a Savior, 
And so we must tell them that their good works won't save them and that the Lord will not overlook their sin on Judgment Day. And we must be true and faithful to the whole message of the gospel. Do the work of an evangelist. I want to challenge you this morning to do the work of an evangelist. You may not have the gift of evangelist, but we're all called to preach the gospel, to share the gospel with others. And so I want to challenge you this morning. This week, I want you to share the gospel with one person. Share the gospel, tell the gospel to one person that you know or don't know. It could be a stranger, it could be someone that you do know. And, and pray and ask the Lord to give you an opportunity to bring somebody along this week for you to share the gospel with, to tell them the word of God. I want to challenge you to do that. And when the opportunity arises, seize it. And then when you do get the opportunity, I want you to share that with other believers to encourage them to do the same, to continue to share the gospel with other people. I pray that you would do that this week. And finally, he says to Timothy, fulfill your ministry. Fulfill your ministry. It says in Ephesians 2.10 that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We want to be faithful in our service to the Lord, just like we said in the beginning. The Lord has saved us with a purpose of living not an easy Christian life, but a life filled with ministry for the Lord. And he has given us, he has set before us works, works to do in our, in, our, in our ministry, in our lives. And at the end of our lives, we want to be, have been able to complete that ministry, our duty. And then be like Paul who says in the next section that I fought the fight, fought the good fight, and I finished the race. So I want to encourage you to to preach the word, to tell others about the gospel, to tell others about the good news, and also to endure sound doctrine, not to, to desire the, 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 the doctrine that, um, that makes you feel good, but to love the word of God, to appreciate what the word of God says. And before we close, I want you to listen to a song in place of a closing hymn this morning. I want you to listen to the words of the song. And I really hope it encourages you. I really hope it motivates you to preach the word. Remember the reasons that we are to preach the word. Remember that in light of impending judgment, in light that those who don't know the, word, the Lord will face eternal judgment, in light of Christ's return, preaching God's words and not man's words. And we have to preach in season and out of season. Because there will become a time that people will no longer want to endure and want to hear the truth. So this song that we're going we're gonna to listen to is by Gold City, and it's Preach the Word. We want to be an encouragement. Just keep on keeping on, church. Just keep on keeping on. Frail and weak, 
The apostle knew the end was near as he dipped his pen in ink. And he wrote Timothy, my son, I have fought the fight of faith. Carry on what I've begun, but most of all I pray. Preach the word, preach the cross, preach redemption to the lost and dying world. Lift your voice on the shame of the gospel of his name. Today, lift the name of Jesus higher until the whole world knows the story of amazing grace. We are messengers of hope. Preach the word, preach the cross, preach redemption to the lost and dying world. supposed to do? Preach the word. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for your word and for the, the, the power that your word has, the, 
the, um, the richness and the, the, how it is profitable for so many things, Lord. We pray that we would stand firm behind your word, Lord, and that we would proclaim it, that we would preach it, the full counsel of God, Lord, to everyone that we know, Lord, that we would not stop, never stop, Lord, that we would continue in season and out of season, Lord. We just pray that we would never put up with the tickling of your ears, the itching ears, Lord, but that we would be true to the word of God, be true to your message, Lord. We just pray that you might give people today, Lord, this week, opportunities to share your word with the, the dying souls, Lord, in this world. We just pray, Lord, that you might, that we might be able to preach to all, so that all have hear, heard, Lord, and we see, that we might see people saved from that as well. Lord, we pray that your word might have an effect on this generation. Lord, we just pray in Jesus' name. Amen.